Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and today SoundBites is celebrating its 100th episode with a topic that's very relevant to us all, managing stress and psoriasis in a pandemic. Many of us are dealing with changes in our usual routines. Some of us have lost our jobs, health insurance, or even our homes. We may be feeling anxious, depressed, and frankly overwhelmed by what's occurring around us, especially as we hear the ongoing news about COVID-19. For those who have psoriasis, this kind of stress can make it much worse. To help offer strategies to cope with the challenges of such stress, we're here with licensed professional counselor Mary Maraventano Street who's based in Chicago and specializes in chronic illness and disease prevention, which addresses the mental and physical components of one's overall health and wellness. Mary is very familiar with the impact of stress and psoriasis, since psoriasis impacts her family as well. Welcome, Mary. It's so great to be working with you again. I'm glad you're joining us today for this very relevant topic. So to start, as I've already alluded to, COVID-19 has had a huge effect on many of us. Fear and anxiety about COVID-19 can really be overwhelming and cause strong emotions in adults and children. What are some of the physical and emotional signs of prolonged and chronic stress that may indicate it's time to change or even reach out for professional help? Thank you. Yes, the uh, physical signs of stress and physical and emotional reactions to it would be having difficulty sleeping, either falling asleep or maintaining sleep, also known as insomnia, low energy, having problems with headaches, stomach aches, different problems with your digestion, muscle aches. You can also land up getting more frequent colds and infections. And one of the things that are most relevant to the physical is the physiological symptoms of having increased heart rate. Your breathing becomes more rapid. You may start trembling, sweating, feeling very restless or tense, and that having a sense of doom or impending danger. Now, the emotional sides of this would be feelings of anger, irritability, or restlessness feeling overwhelmed, unmotivated, and having difficulty focusing, sleeping too much or too little, and racing thoughts or ruminating and thinking a lot about different worries and various things that are going on in your life. You might have problems with your memory or concentration. It does impair our decision-making and we are more prone to making poor decisions during times of this type of emotional stress. When these various signs become problematic and are interfering with your quality of life, it would be a good time to seek treatment or to address and make changes. And given what you've just said, we know that stress and anxiety are triggers for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Can you explain why this may be the case and what's happening in the body? What is happening in the body when we experience stress or anxiety, our body is programmed to respond. And this response is actually the fight or flight 
as most people know it as. The activation of the fight or flight response happens when we perceive an event or something as a threat and our body prepares by the releasing of hormones that will prepare our body to either fight what we are fearing or run from it. So the hormones, once they are released, and the number one most people have heard of is adrenaline. Adrenaline is released and it prepares our body by increasing our heart rate. It may increase our breathing rate to activate the muscles to be able to prepare to run. So the adrenaline also helps to move glucose to the body so that the body has the energy from glucose to fight again and to nourish the muscles. So as that increases, cortisol is released into the body. Now, cortisol has been noted to be a hormone which can have a lot to do with inflammation. And when this is released and it stays high through all of the time of this perceived threat, when it is no longer a threat, cortisol levels and adrenaline go back to a a status that is reset. However, when we are stressed and constantly under stress, this period of activating our stress response can increase flare-ups in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And with this type of stress, most of us tend to find some way to cope, which may or may not be effective. Can you provide examples of effective coping versus ineffective or maladaptive coping? Effective coping skills would be anything that would have a positive effect on our dealing with a stressful situation. Practicing self-care is one way in which we can effectively cope with stress because if we are taking care of our body, we are eating well, getting rest, getting exercise. All of this helps to reduce stress. And the difference between effective coping skills and ineffective or maladaptive would be that ineffective and maladaptive coping skills do not have a positive effect on us. It may be a temporary fix or a avoidance or an escape from what is causing our stress. But overall, it does not serve a positive release for dealing with stress. Some of the examples of that might be people avoiding, withdrawing, and being in denial that they are under a great deal of stress. Substance use, either drugs or alcohol, binge eating, gambling, a lot of these are ways that a lot of people may choose to cope with stress and anxiety. And stress can certainly strain relationships during this time of COVID, where family and friends represent the cornerstone of coping and provide strength to face each day. How can you avoid reactions to stress where it may be potentially taken out on those closest to us? 
Yes, with the pandemic, people are being kind of quarantined in in their homes or spending a lot more time together as a family and even relationships between uh, partners can be overwhelmed by this particular type of stress and people will take it out possibly on each other because they're in a situation that it's very difficult to handle their feelings and emotions about what is going on. As far as approaching it, I would say that approaching it on an empathetic level to help keep people from becoming defensive, increasing communication between partners and family members, and setting aside a time where a family or partners can express concerns and talk about the things that are distressing them or bothering them. Do not bottle up your emotions. Communication is the best way to combat the stressors of dealing with everyday life and relationships. And how important is it to focus on the things you can control versus those you can't? This is actually one of my favorite types of questions. When I deal with people that are having stress and anxiety, I do ask them to focus on the things that they can control. It's very important to focus on the things that we can control. It is something that we will feel competent about, something that we know that we are able to handle. And when we are focused on that, we are less focused on the things that we are unable to control. When we are not able to control a situation, event, we tend to become more and more stressed and we cannot change what we cannot control. We can only change how we react to the things we cannot control. Our reactions is a choice. We can change how we react to things we cannot control. And through that, we are able to look for other solutions once we do not focus on the things that we cannot control. That is so true. So in addition to what we mentioned about relationships, parents are having a tough time right now where they may feel out of control. Their kids are attending school virtually at home. They may be working from home or other members are working from home while trying to maintain the household on top of caring for their psoriasis and family members. It's a lot. Any tips to help cope with the day-to-day demands that have expanded during this pandemic? We cope with day-to-day demands normally, and for most people, it is a, a struggle at times. Young families and working parents and children with many activities is always pretty hard to, at times, juggle, but then you throw in a pandemic in which their routines have been so upended because of having to adjust to doing schooling at home, parents having to possibly work from home, and then to be able to attend to the normal household duties about shopping, cooking, helping the children with schooling, getting your own work done, and also then finding time for yourself 
to practice self-care and to be able to manage your stress? Well, the best thing to do is to set clear goals and expectations. Discuss this with your family. Prioritize your tasks and set boundaries so that you have a particular time and place to do your work. The children have their time and place for their work and that there are goals and everyone seems to be aware of what their task is to be performed. But also being flexible. There is a lot of things that come up that are not planned for and that it is not to get yourself upset and stressed when these things come up. It is the matter of practicing your self-care and staying active as a family and spending time together on pleasant activities. The pandemic has been very much a upending of routines for families and their normal activities that usually help them manage the stress and the day-to-day demands need to be reinvented. Finding ways that you can spend time and have pleasant activities is very, very helpful. Yeah. So again, it's controlling the things you can versus those you can't. Absolutely. So chronic stress while managing psoriasis can be overwhelming even without a pandemic. Caregivers may be trying to cope with the emotional impact of those who live with psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, as well as others in the family. Mary, given your own experience with psoriasis, what advice can you share with other caregivers about how to address the impact on family life? Well, that is a a very good question. The impact that psoriasis has played in my own family is that my daughter was diagnosed at the age of seven and a half, and it has been 32 years that she has been living with psoriasis. So as a parent and mother, how it affected my home life with my other son and my husband is that we had to learn a lot about what psoriasis was and also how to manage the emotions that my daughter was experiencing living with this chronic condition. And that being able to manage treatments for her and to also keep her engaged in activities that the family would do. One of the big problems we overcame were dealing with the social anxiety of wanting to be out in public and showing her her skin and that it is important to address difficulties that come up with a family member with psoriasis and determining whether or not it is time to address it through getting help with it. Body image can increase stress and could add to more non-compliance to treatment. Advice that I'd like to share with other caregivers is to openly discuss what psoriasis is, what the treatments are, to also educate other family members, which at times may react negatively to 
a person with psoriasis. That would be your extended family, aunt, uncles, grandparents, and helping to educate them and also to become active. There are many resources today that were not necessarily available when I was going through this with my family. Advocacy groups, the National Psoriasis Foundation, I became involved in mainly because their message and their resources were extremely helpful to me, my daughter, and the rest of my family to manage her psoriasis. So since so many people are out of work and facing economic uncertainty, they may be staying with family members who, as you mentioned, react negatively or not familiar with psoriasis and object to plaques that are visible or fall off. What recommendations can you offer to someone in this situation? I think one of the best approaches to take with this particular situation is to actually take it as a chance to educate family members regarding psoriasis. One of the things that a person dealing with psoriasis of where it is very visual can be seen and also the plaques and the flaking of the skin can become very emotionally triggering to a person with psoriasis. So it also is important to recognize that they're probably thinking, oh, here we go again. Somebody doesn't understand what is happening to me. So the chance to empower yourself to be able to educate family members about what psoriasis is, and also that it is not just a skin condition and that it has a lot to do with emotions and how people feel and perceive themselves. So it gives a person a chance to relate to a family member to let them know about how this particular condition impacts their own life. And through this understanding, they can gain more understanding and empathy for the person with psoriasis. It is not always easy to explain it, but also to give them information, things that are listed within the National Psoriasis Foundation on living with psoriasis and help them to learn more about the condition. Yeah, education is always a good idea. So in episode 93, which is called Facing Psoriatic Disease as a Matter of Perspective, we discuss reframing. Can you provide an example of how to reframe issues that could be occurring in the pandemic? Yes. Reframing actually is a term that we use a lot in counseling and psychotherapy. When we talk about how a person reacts to certain feelings and emotions. So it's important to say that things that are going on within a pandemic would be people experiencing fear, stress, anxiety, economic worries, and also worries about their own physical health. So with all of this is to identify what specific feelings and emotions that you are having and redirecting them into more uh, positive thoughts. And this would be on 
focusing again on the things that you are able to control. That would be to maintain the various things to help us stay healthy in this, to do the things that washing your hands, wearing a mask, watching your distance when you are out, just becoming more aware of your surroundings and looking at it from a more positive view of that you are doing what you can for yourself and your family to focus again on those things that you are able to control. And a lot of it is not an easy thing, but it is something that can be done. And do you have other methods or examples of activities our listeners can do to relieve their stress and anxiety? There are many, many different examples of activities to relieve stress. A lot of it just depends on what you feel comfortable with doing. Not everybody will feel the same way about different types of stress relieving activities. One of the ones that I focus a lot on and I practice myself is deep breathing exercises. And that is something that is very simple and that can be done at any time, driving in the car, preparing your meals. Anything that you're doing is to just stop and just focus for a period of time on your breathing, doing it slowly, slowing your mind and slowing your breathing and taking a deep breath in, holding it for a period of time, and exhaling. The most important thing is to take in a very large, deep breath, to expand your chest and inhale deeply. And one of the good things about this is not only are you helping to lower your stress, you're also increasing the amount of oxygen that you are taking in and that is available to the brain. And by increasing that, we get this feeling of relaxation. And it's very simple. Every day, just when you are becoming a little anxious, to just stop and focus on your breathing. Other easy things to do would be to engage in a hobby, staying connected with friends, doing activities that bring well-being to you. If you're a reader, if you like music. Engaging in pleasant activities is a very good method to relieve stress. Yeah, those are all really good ideas, especially the deep breathing exercises. Definitely something I need to try. (laughs) So what about meditation? How effective is meditation as a stress management tool? Meditation is actually a very good tool for stress management. Meditation, again, is something that a lot of people may have tried before and found, oh, I just, I can't stay focused. So many things start going through my mind. And the one thing about meditation is meditation is a practice. It is not something you're going to sit down to and immediately be able to clear your mind and do it. It's, It's the actual practice of taking the time, slowing down, and just allowing yourself to be in the moment. A lot of meditation is is focusing on the here and now. We are focusing our mind on experiencing feelings in that moment. And by practicing meditation, it takes a commitment. And it is something 
in which you can obtain the skill to do. So during times like these, especially with social isolation required by the pandemic, isolation can prompt the development of feeling alone and depression. Depression already has a higher impact among people with psoriasis. Do you have any tips to help avoid such feelings? Isolation definitely has been one of the large parts of the pandemic that people have struggled with. Depending on your age, it could be less troublesome. But if you are alone, especially if you are a single person of which you live by yourself, that isolation is cutting you off from a lot of different activities and things that you are able to do and engage with other people. You're most likely working from home. You are probably spending your entire day at home and have very little contact with people other than maybe through the telephone or doing some type of a video chat. Now, isolation can bring on feelings of depression, feelings of hopelessness and of being alone. However, it is also a time that if we reframe it, we may be able to find some solitude in isolation and be able to take that time to do things that we have not been able to find the time for because we were always very busy and outside and interacting with the environment and people. So to reframe it is to keep yourself distracted and and focusing on other activities. You could be checking in on other people. You can be working on various hobbies and different things that you can be alone but you are not isolated in the sense that you feel detached from other people. And if someone is experiencing symptoms of depression, are there any behavioral strategies that could prove helpful beyond pharmacological treatment options? Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it. If you are looking at it from a friend or a family member dealing with someone with uh, symptoms of depression, it is important to monitor and to engage with that person and discuss with them how they are feeling. And if the person is at a point where they are feeling a great deal of hopelessness, are feeling that they are not eating properly or they're not sleeping properly, it might be very good to talk with them about either getting help, speaking with a mental health professional, discussing their feelings with their own doctor. But mostly depression can be on a continuum. You can have depressive symptoms, but not yet be where we would consider it clinical, that there is a a real need for intervention. Many people are taking antidepressants and pharmacological treatments for depression, and that at times, due to situations like going through this pandemic, may increase those feelings of depression. The use of evidence-based therapies that we use as mental health 
professionals are ways that people can just examine how they're thinking and then kind of challenge their thinking. If they're having negative thoughts, have them challenge that thought and to look for evidence that that is a valid feeling. But that particular type of treatment is usually done in a mental health counseling. But also there are many different things that a person can do to relieve these depressive symptoms. And that would be to become active, to engage in different pleasurable activities. But if depression gets to the point that a person is not engaging in those, that is the time to think more about reaching out for help. Yeah, and that brings up our next point. How important is it to stick with a treatment plan for psoriasis or even other health issues, including mental health? Well, that is a very, very good, important question. And the fact is, is that, again, when we talk about being able to control the things that we can control, adhering to a treatment plan is one way that we can be empowered into taking control over our health, whether it is our mental health or our physical health. And treatment plans are a large foundation of whether or not a person is going to experience positive results to their health or mental health. And unfortunately, a lot of people are intimidated to speak up sometimes with their doctors regarding their conditions and that they may not fully understand the importance of the treatment plan that the doctor has set forth. So it is important to ask questions, be your own advocate, to speak up, to keep a log of symptoms and how things are progressing so that when you do meet with your doctors, you are able to be engaged in your own health care. Adherence and the treatment plan and the practice of that is the best way that you are able to, to control the progress that you will have in your condition. And you just mentioned how taking care of the physical and emotional health is so important. Uh, Do you have any resources you could suggest to our listeners if they're in a situation where professional help is needed? Mostly the resources that one has available are their healthcare providers, their PCP, dermatologists, and rheumatologists. Mental health providers and psychologists are also excellent resources. The ones that I find to be empowering are patient advocacy groups, either nationally, like that of the National Psoriasis Foundation, regionally or locally, community outreach, spiritual and religious organizations are great for accessing resources that are available within your community. Mary, you provided such helpful tips in approaching these stressful times during this pandemic. Do you have any final comments to help our listeners look towards a brighter tomorrow? Yes, I do. And mostly it is to continue focusing on the things that you are able to control. 
engaging in stress management techniques and making them a part of your routine. Be kind to yourself and to practice self-care. And when necessary, seek out treatment if stress, anxiety, and depression become overwhelming and make it difficult to you to maintain the quality of your life. By focusing on the things that you are able to control, you will be able to manage your stress. Focusing on what you can control, I found that getting involved, educating, and advocating can help manage your stress. By being involved in change that you would like to see happen, I found that by being an active advocate with the NPF, I feel that we can make a brighter future for those with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Well, thank you once again, Mary, for such wise words to help guide us through our current times and for being here for our 100th episode. As Mary referenced, the National Psoriasis Foundation has resources to help you. You can learn more at psoriasis.org or by contacting the Patient Navigation Center by calling 1-800-723-9166, option 1, or by email at education at psoriasis.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.